Squarespace is proud to support students and parents as they listen to Getting In. Learn how creating a personal website can help you stand out with colleges. Go to squarespace.com slash getting in. Getting In is also sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products. Just for being a Getting In listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to www.audible.com slash college. From Slate and Panoply, this is Getting In, a podcast series about the path to college. I'm your host, Julie Lifcott-Hames, and today we're going to be talking about the roles parents play during the admissions process. And we'll hear what the experience has been like for a few parents of our Getting In seniors. Joining me today is a special guest, the writer Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen is the author of several best-selling books, including The Happiness Project and Better Than Before. She's also the co-host of the Panoply podcast, Happier. Now, let me pause here and say, some of you, I'm sure, are wondering, why do we have a happiness expert on the Getting In podcast? Getting In is about college. I'm going to say to you, Getting In, this podcast, is about so much more than college. It's actually about the young humans who are in high school who are thinking about what's next in their lives. They're beginning to imagine themselves on a college campus. And happiness is an essential desired component of the human experience. We all want that for ourselves, and we want it for our children. So that's, at a meta level, why we wanted Gretchen here today. More specifically, Gretchen also is the mother of a high school junior, as am I. And so she's going through this college process, just like I am, just like you are. So I couldn't be more thrilled to have Gretchen with us today. Gretchen, welcome to Getting In. I'm very happy to be talking to you. Thank you. So on your podcast, Happier, which I have to say I've been thoroughly enjoying, I'm listening to you and your voice in my car many days, you and your sister, Elizabeth Kraft, have these great conversations where you swap anecdotes, strategies, and life hacks for the everyday challenges you're facing. What's a recent life hack you've shared on the podcast that you're really excited about, something you've turned into a regular habit? Well, one thing we talked about in episode 55 that has been very helpful to me in this college process is we talked about the difference between people who like to discuss long and people who like to discuss short. And for people who like to discuss long, it's reassuring and comforting to discuss things at length and to go through all the possibilities and plan far in advance and really talk about it at length. And for people who like to discuss short, they don't like that. That makes them feel more anxious. They like to just get it and get out, decide what you have to decide. And what I've discovered during the college admissions process is that I'm a long discusser, and my husband and my daughter are short discussers. And I've really had to rein myself in and not constantly be trying to drive a conversation because they don't find that helpful. You know, they want to just like, what do we need to decide what needs to be done, what needs to be talked about right now? Um, Mm. And so I've tried to make a habit of staying very focused on, like, putting one foot in front of the other instead of having these long, universal conversations, even though that's what I would like to do. Oh, that's so helpful to me. I am definitely a discuss-long type of person. And 
I can appreciate, though, that, you know, sometimes my interest in discussing it long leads to anxiety. I can see in my kid's face is saying, like, can we stop talking about this now, please? So it's really helpful to have the, the concept of discussing short. I think my family may benefit from that today if I'm able to implement that practice. We shall see. I also love that your 16-year-old daughter, Eliza, has started her own podcast. It's called Eliza Starting at 16. How wonderful. Let's take a listen to a clip of it. Hi, and welcome to Eliza Starting at 16. I'm Eliza, a 16, soon to be 17-year-old girl living in New York City. So to start right off, I'd like to break some amazing news, well, amazing in my world, and it is what I'm obsessed with this week, and I guess for the rest of my life, which is that I've finally taken my last SAT. I did it. I did it yesterday morning, bright and early. I got up at 7, and I got there, and I took it, and it was... Whatever happens, it's done. I can do whatever I want with my books. I don't need to think about ACTs or SATs. No more long practice tests. It took about five hours Saturday, and it made me exhausted, but I'm finally, finally done. So that's something that's going to make my, at least this week, much, much easier on me, just mentally. Well, first off, congrats to Eliza for getting over that SAT hump this early. I can hear the relief in her voice. I've never met her, but I can hear it. Um, can imagine um, her face, what she looks like saying that. And kudos to her for self-producing a podcast. What's it like for you, Gretchen, to hear her talking about these details of her life on the podcast? Well, on the one hand, it's incredibly exciting because she writes it, she records it, she edits it, she uploads it, she does the whole thing herself. I mean, to me, it's like magic that she could just sit down and figure out how to do all this stuff. Yeah. Um, just, you know, in the space of a half an hour, she figured out how to do all of that herself. So that's exciting. The first couple episodes, she let me listen and kind of help make suggestions about, oh, you know, maybe you need to finish that thought or maybe... That went too long. But now she says, no, she doesn't want me involved at all. So I don't listen to it until it's uploaded to the entire world. And I have to say, every week I listen to it a little bit like, I don't know what she's going to say. You know, I don't know what my teenage girl is putting out there. Um, It's a little scary. um, But actually, it's been a fantastic window into her view of the world. And she's using it responsibly, thank goodness. And I think she's found it like an incredibly creative way to make sense of her own experience and what she's going through. That's fantastic. What a what a fantastic outlet for her. A window into her world you're getting, but also you're getting a mirror to your own self as you observe yourself trying to hold off a bit on whatever your instinct might be to lean forward. It sounds like you're recognizing this is hers. And as much as you might be slightly terrified at times to think about what might she do, what might she reveal, what will this do to her long term? Might she say something that will somehow come back to haunt or harm her? It sounds like you're um, recognizing that your role in her life is shifting. Of course, that applies to the college application process as well. How has your role changed or are you still figuring out what your role is as her mother vis-a-vis the college applications that lie ahead? Well, I think you put your finger on exactly the the tension, which is on the one hand, you want to be the parent that you were 17 years ago when you were just like in control of the whole thing. And it's not appropriate now. They really have to drive it and, and, and be thinking about what they want and what their vision is. And so I think it is tough. You know, like in a way, I'm just like, please, can I just do this? <laughs> you know, like, I'm do so this. good. I've been trained at this. Um, you know, uh, 
I'll take the SAT so you don't have to, you know, um, but <laughs> right. they have to do it. Yes. So it is, it's back to this kind of long discussion, short discussion. How am I, how can I learn to be supportive and helpful and especially with things that like if she's feeling really anxious and just doesn't want to deal with it, is there a way that I can kind of give her a little boost, but without seizing the reins so she feels like she's just some passive observer of something that's going on, which really isn't even possible, but certainly wouldn't be desirable. Um, I want her, you know, she needs to drive this, um, but I do want to be helpful. And, and sometimes that's a tricky, a tricky balance. It's a super tricky balance. You know, the book I've written, How to Raise an Adult, is about this tricky balance. And I wrote it because I saw so many students essentially passively observing their own life as their parents controlled and managed everything so beautifully, which is not to say the students weren't working hard and putting forth tremendous effort, but it was clear that the reins were in someone else's hands. And my, you know, compassion for young adults made me say, wait a minute, what are we doing? You know, this young adult needs to become themselves, and we have got to hand the reins over to them. If it was ever appropriate for us to have the reins in the first place, now's the time to have the courage to hand our kids the reins and be willing to accept the blips and bumps and stumbles that will come. It's the only way they'll get where they want to go. They've got to emerge into this sort of control seat in their own life. But it is terrifying. I think... I think in some ways today's episode is really allowing us to examine what is it like to be the parents of these people. Yes, we could do it all for them. We know we mustn't, as you so beautifully put it. How can we be supportive and helpful while still allowing them to have the agency they must have in this process? Okay, well, we recently talked to some of the parents of our Getting In Seniors to ask them how they've handled this roller coaster of the senior year. We met up with August Graves' parents at their apartment in Brooklyn. I'm Amy Graves, and I'm August's mother. And I'm Martin Graves, and I'm August's father. <laughs> Excuse me. And who's that? That's <laughs> and that's the dog. That's Benji. He's very excited. I don't think I've ever heard a dog sneeze before, but that's Benji the dog. <laughs> Their daughter, August, is a senior at the New York City Public School Nest Plus M. There was so much pressure in September, and now the pressure is almost not part of the equation. I feel like the pressure started in seventh grade, you know? I mean, with August school, it was all building up to the different AP classes she would be taking and getting her ahead, 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 you know, for college, college, college. And yeah, now it's, I mean, it does, it feels very much over at this point. Well, I mean, we still have several schools that we're waiting to hear from. Right. And then we need to decide or we need to, as a family, decide what we're going to be able to do. Yeah. And as parents, they've pretty much let August drive the process. They're not big handholders. The fact that August has been doing it all on her own really shows that she's really personally invested. I mean, I like I like our process. The fact that they were sort of willfully not helping her in a way that shows her that so 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 we'll get up close to a deadline before I'll start to mention like don't you have a deadline? She'll be like, "Yeah, I've got plenty of time." And, and it's like tomorrow. <laughs> oh. Uh, oops. <laughs> so she does that a lot. I think that we're aware. I think that we're aware of what's going on, and uh, but not necessarily intrinsically. I will say I'm the one checking the mailbox, like so excited, like five times a day. No. <laughs> August doesn't care. No, She's I, like, oh, really? I'm pretty ambivalent as well. <laughs> but I'm like, how can you not care? I'm so excited. <laughs> I, think, I think that she's gotten into three schools, so August and I are both just like, 
you know, there's three good choices out there. So right. the rest of it's just gravy. Well, and I'm, but I'm wondering, where are we going to travel? You know, where are we going in April? You know? <laughs> Last month here on the podcast, we heard about August's acceptance to Willamette in Oregon. So Amy was excited to share some more good news. I've got my show and tell things. So August got into the University of Vermont, and she got into Ithaca College. And there was an added surprise with these acceptance letters. And what's neat, and I didn't know this, but when each of these schools sent the acceptance letter, they also said how much money they were giving her off the bat. And it was like just a merit scholarship, not a financial aidy thing. So Will Amitt's like, we're also giving you this scholarship, $17,000 a year, $64,000. And then Ithaca, I think, is giving her 15000 a year, and UVM is giving her 16000 a year. So I didn't know that that was something that schools did just off the bat. And they're all about the same price, so I'm wondering if that's something that like all schools do to every kid just to... It seems like a formula. It seems like it's a... Or that's my guess. Just seeing the three offers are so close, it seems like that the school is evaluating the student, evaluating August's performance. And uh, honestly, they're like, we think that you are valuable to the school and this is an offer. It's almost like a a business proposition. It's not as cut and dried as I thought it would be. Or as cold, you're expecting the school to be like, okay, sixty grand, and then you know that's what you're going to pay, or screw you, or you decide. But it seems like they have a vested interest in the student, and are making an offer, a counter offer, or an offer with a a sweetener or yeah. an in- incentive. Yeah. So. And so, but then we also, after the fact, got our financial aid letters from them with more funding. With like Pell, with, with Pell Grants. And it, with Pell Grants. But Will Amick gave her more money on top. So Will Amick's cost has gone from like 55000 a year down to 33000 a year, which is like, uh. <laughs> and, uh, and Ithaca has gone down to 37000 a year for us. Um, and we haven't heard the financial aid report from UVM, but that's something like, I, that's a game changer, you know? It was like for my, for the past 15 years, I've been thinking we're going to be spending $240,000 on college and what are we going to sell and like what are we going to mortgage to pay for that? And now it's like, oh my God, we're going to have a future. We might have a retirement plan, <laughs> you know? So substantial tuition discounts. This is something we heard just a few weeks ago from our expert Park Muth. It's a real thing and very exciting, obviously, for so many students and families for whom those sticker prices on colleges are just outrageous and intimidating. Gretchen, is this news to you? Yeah, absolutely. It's so lovely to hear people pleasantly surprised by something like that. Usually the, usually the surprises run in the other direction. Yeah, exactly. And this intertwinedness, you know, what's right for our kids, but also what's right for us as we head toward our retirement. You know, the financial picture includes all of us and we want the best for our kids, quote unquote. But I think many, many of us realize I might not be able to afford the school that my student most hopes to go to. As a family, we've got to make a decision that works for everybody. So it's so rewarding, heartwarming to hear that the schools are kind of stepping up and offering some of these tuition discounts that make these opportunities a little bit more plausible. Okay, so we've also checked in with Jordana Meyer's dad, Jonathan. Jordana is a senior at Bethesda Chevy Chase High School in Maryland. At the end of last year, Jordana did not get into her first choice, Columbia, as listeners will remember. Boy, she taped for us that moment of getting her results. And it was hard to hear Her dad, Jonathan, was in awe of how his daughter handled the news. I have rarely been as proud of her as I was 
that day and the days that followed, because that can be such a kind of a soul-crushing experience. And when I found out, I was really upset because I was really worried about her. I was at work when she found out. She texted me or called me, I don't remember. But I was just astounded at how well she took it and moved on. I mean, I think the podcast captured that well. Jonathan says that he and his wife, Lauren, encouraged Jordana to take charge of the application process. We were less hands-on than um, a lot of parents like us. She basically did the Common App herself. She drafted essays and let me and Lauren look at them, and we offered edits uh, and suggestions. But we were very careful to, to let her write what she wanted to write and let the essays be hers. If he has one piece of advice for parents starting the process now, it's... To really trust the kid to make good decisions and not try to micromanage it too much. As with everything in parenting, it's very hard but so important to strike the right balance between really caring and helping your kid on the one hand, but then coddling them or over-managing them on the other. Uh, and every parent has to find that balance themselves. And even you know, my wife and I do it a little differently from each other. But with college applications, that was important, too, to find the right balance uh, and to figure out how much she wanted us involved, too. Jordana's still waiting to hear from schools she applied to. And in the coming weeks, we'll be sharing updates from all of our Getting In seniors. So, Gretchen, some refreshing takes from these parents, further insight into striking the right balance as you articulated it so beautifully at the top of the show. You know, we're parenting for the long term. We've got to ask ourselves, what's the worst thing that can happen if I don't intervene? And sometimes we think if we don't intervene, they won't get the opportunity. But I think actually the worst thing that can happen if we do intervene is they'll never have the skills themselves to acquire those opportunities for themselves. And in the long term, parenting for the long term, we need to know that they can. I'm curious, what's the parent conversation like in your community in New York? Is there cocktail party anxiety? By now, a lot of us have learned that if there's something that's really stressing you out, it's better to talk about something else. Sometimes I will ask people very specific questions related to, like, when did you schedule college tours? Where I, Coming into it, I just, like, didn't know how people typically did things. And so if I'm asking very for very concrete advice, it can be really helpful. But um, it's not helpful to just sort of vaguely talk about what does this all mean? Where is it all going? What are you doing? What are we doing? And trying not to go to that place where everybody works each other into a frenzy. But it is great to have resources where there, when, when there's something that you just literally don't know, when somebody can just give you an answer that can really like just give you a shortcut. Nice. So turning to other parents to get specific information or to provide specific information, but not to stoke the fires of worry. You know, your most recent podcast episode is about taking time to worry. And I loved it because you acknowledge that we could worry always, all the time. There are things that can always be in our minds and we can actually manage worry and therefore stress and therefore lead lives that are happier if we can chunk out the worry, if we can only worry in the shower, as your sister suggested, um, or make, you know, a time schedule a time when we're going to worry about things. You know, I, I'm really hearing that infused in your perspective on how to interact with other parents about this college process. Yeah. And one of the things that I've been trying to do with, with my daughter is to really say, we're going to talk about this at this point. And so she knows, like, I'm not going to be chasing her around the house 
pestering her with questions or mm-hmm. how about this? What about that? Have you mm-hmm. done this? Like what's going on with that thing? Um, but to really like set aside time where we talk about it systematically and then she knows she's off the hook, schedule time for those discussions and those decisions so that they don't just sort of seep into kind of 24 seven life. Yeah. You know, I think often we don't appreciate as parents the extent to which this whole concept of college application has become a 24-7 conversation. I was just at um, in Concord, Massachusetts, a lovely community, you know, where the American Revolution began, the shot that was heard around the world. I was speaking there at Concord Carlisle High School to the high school students, but then later to their parents. And I always ask high schoolers when I have the chance, and I'm going to talk to their parents later that night, I say, what do you want me to tell your parents about how they can be more supportive of you during this process. And at Concord Carlisle, more so than at any school I visited across the nation, the students overwhelmingly said, please tell our parents to ask us about something other than college apps. They feel that from their own parents and from parents in their own community, that's all they get asked about. And I think, you know, sharing that with the parents, parents were sort of mortified. They don't realize, we don't realize the extent to which it seems to be all we talk about. And you know, if we can recognize that, we can just bring a little bit more relief to our kids' lives. And instead of making them feel, as you just said, that they're being chased around by us always with this question of, you know, have you studied for this test? Have you filled out that app? You know, what's next? So I think this mirror up to our own selves as we go through the process is it's really helping me better gauge how I should be with my own kid, my own junior, to be more aware of my own self as his mother is, I think, giving us, you know, a healthier mother-son interaction as he goes through it. All right, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to ask you about the habits you've helped Eliza cultivate as she sets out on the path to college. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. In a minute, more of my conversation with Gretchen Rubin. But first, a few words from our sponsors. Squarespace is proud to support students and parents as they listen to Getting In. Whether you see your future as a clear path or a blank slate, with Squarespace, you're off to a beautiful start. Squarespace sites look professionally designed regardless of skill level, and there's no coding required. With intuitive and easy-to-use tools, Squarespace will even give you a free domain if you sign up for a year. And when you sign up for Squarespace, use the offer code GETTINGIN and get 10% off your first purchase. Create a website that reflects your best skills and talents. Because when you start on the right foot, you can go anywhere. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com gettingin. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Getting In is also sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks. You can download them and access them on a bunch of different devices, on iPhones, Android, Kindle, or pretty much any other MP3 player. One book you might want to try out from Audible is Originals, How Nonconformists Move the World. Author Adam Grant illustrates how we can originate new ideas, policies, and practices without risking it all. He explores how parents and teachers can nurture originality in children and how leaders can fight groupthink to build cultures that welcome dissent. If you want to listen to Originals or many other books, Audible has it. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com college. That's audible.com college. We're back with Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen, you offer so many great strategies for healthier habits in your book, Better Than Before, and on your podcast, Happier. 
How does this area of expertise you've cultivated shape how you approach the college application process in your very own home? Well, you know, one of the, there's two things that I often think about. Um, one is really good advice that our preschool teacher gave us when we were doing the, the, you know, in New York City, applying to ongoing school is like a whole big production. Yeah. And she gave us a great thing to remember that I'm reminding myself of often now. Um, and she said, there are so many right choices. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we can get focused on like, you know, what are we going to get? Where are we going to end up? And, and, and to remember, like, there are many right choices mm, Beautiful. at a certain level. You mm-hmm. know, it's mm-hmm. what you, you know, you bring your own weather to the picnic and mm. it's what you make of it more than, you know, where, what specific place you are. Mm. And the other thing is, and, and August's uh, father kind of alluded to this in what he was saying, these are waning days to have our children under our roof, you know, mm. and I just keep reminding myself, don't spoil it. Don't get, <laughs> you know, have fun. The days are long, but the years are short. And this is just one ty- tiny period in mm. our life. And we'll look back on it and laugh. <laughs> and it's just, this is precious time oh, and and yeah. just to remember to have fun together yeah. and to have family time and you know keep it all in perspective yeah oh so beautifully put you know i turned to my husband the other day in the kitchen our 16 year old son had just been hanging out with us talking about this and that and he left the room and i turned to my husband and i said he's going to be okay yeah now this is a kid who unlike eliza unlike yours you know my kid hasn't yet taken the standardized test he needs to take. And he's kind of not studying for it necessarily in the ways that some people might say he should. He's not yet got that fire under his feet. And, you know, he'll take it and he'll do it. He'll do what he, you know, he'll do it. And um, I was, there was something about my interaction with my son that made me just say, you know what, he's going to be fine. And I think it's this perspective of there are so many right choices. There isn't one place we need him to go. Something about the conversation was like his character is forming and I can see that he's a good and kind person and he cares about others, you know, and he has a growing sense of his own obligations to himself and to us and to his community. And I guess it was that that just made me think, you know, fine, whatever the college is, I got a boy who's becoming a man and I'm I'm growing increasingly confident that I'll be so proud of how he walks through the world. And now you can hear my voice like this makes me emotional. But my goodness, that's the big picture, right? That's like, that's what we really want. So true. Yeah. So true. All right. So to move, though, from the emotional piece of parenting to the specifics of this process, are there specific habits that you've tried to help Eliza cultivate with an eye toward college? Uh, well, my sister sometimes calls me a habits bully, um, and I try to hold myself back, especially to the people who are kind of like the innocent bystanders of my habit formation tendencies. Um, but I will say that the habits of Eliza that I've probably been the most vigilant about are um, those related to just like her, her physical well-being. I mean, because your physical state always is going to influence and color your emotional state and your and kind of your intellectual acuity because you know going to school you just you not want to be sharp 
And so I am absolutely vigilant about things like sleep. Like, mm. I really, really want her to go to bed on time. Mm. And I often will stay up later than I would stay up so that I can make sure that I put her to bed. Yeah. Because I don't want to think, okay, well, I went to bed at 10.15, and then how late did she stay up? Yeah. I don't even know. Yes. Um, because I just feel like sleep is so important. Uh, agreed. And I also really make her eat breakfast. Yeah. You know, we've tried peanut butter on toast, and now she eats two hard-boiled eggs. And so we've sort of moved through different phases. Yeah. But I really feel like that kind of thing is important. Yeah. Um, we got a puppy. She begged for a puppy um, because she wanted one so much. <laughs> and it has been just this wonderful, joyful thing. Aww. You know, it was we got him like the first day of school, basically, <laughs> the day before school started, her junior year. We got home this puppy, and it has really been this wonderful thing. Every day, and, or like if she's feeling blue about something, I'll take Barnaby up to her room where she's got her laptop in her lap. And that has been like a wonderful element to add to the year that really kind of added this energy and this novelty and has been super fun. Um, <laughs> Nice. And then also this creative outlet of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, you, were, you as you said, having a way to express yourself and to put yourself out in the world and kind of make sense of what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, it is a, it is a habit of of creativity and self expression that I think has really helped her kind of get that sense of herself that you were just talking about with your son. Yeah. And so that's been a really important kind of creative habit. Yeah. And she's been very consistent about it, which is not always easy with something like that. And she came up with that idea herself? Yeah. Well, you know, for a long time, I kept saying to her, like, she would talk to me about, oh, this advertising strategy is aimed at teenagers, but this is why it doesn't work. Or, mm. oh, all the, all the grown-ups will say that we're so into this app, but nobody actually uses it. And I kept saying to her, like, this is such valuable information. Like, people are dying to know what teenagers think, yeah. either because they're parents or they're other teenagers, or because they're advertisers or marketers. Like, everybody's just curious about teenagers. Like, yeah. you should, like, do something with that. And yeah. and then at, at a certain point, she's like, oh, I could do a podcast. Yeah. Um, and, and talk about what I'm obsessed with and what I'm done with and uh, what I find funny. And um, it is this sort of super interesting insight into that stage of life. You know, what do teenagers do? What do they think? It's, it's really been fascinating. Well, I think many parents listening, I imagine, might be contending with a high school junior who wants to start an interesting project of some kind, a blog, a podcast, a this and that. And parents might think, you don't have time for that. You've got to work on your college apps. You've got to be studying for the ACT or the SAT. Sounds like you didn't confront those concerns at all. You saw instead that the podcast was an outlet, an opportunity, a way for your daughter to have some stuff that was productive, useful, and just for her, valuable to her intrinsically as she goes through this very grueling process. Am I getting that right? A hundred percent. And this is one thing that I've observed about myself, too, and I think it's very true of her, is that sometimes when there's a lot that you have to do, doing something that you want to do, even though it kind of adds to your overall burden, you're actually more energized and more excited overall by doing that additional thing. Because sometimes we think, like, well, you just have to get rid of everything that you don't have to do in order to make time and, and conserve energy for these required things. But weirdly, yeah. sometimes it's doing that fun thing. Yeah. You know, it's like you're working like crazy, but then you decide to plan a party. And, like, all of a sudden, you feel like you have more energy and more time for everything. Yes. Because you're doing something really fun, something you want to Absolutely. do. And I think that's what it's been like for Liza. It's kind of been, like, I'm not so bound to the system that I have no time to do what I want to do. It's freeing. I still matter. I still should be at the center of all of this. That's good. Yeah. 
All right. So we get a lot of listener mail, and I want to play this voicemail from a listener that touches on a lot of the themes we've been talking about today. It's from Jill, a mom in your hometown, New York City. This is Jill, and I'm calling to leave an update on my son, who's a senior at a public high school in New York City. It turns out that getting in presented him with the lifeline option that he needed. He had become very antagonistic towards the whole college application process, watching as his friends were all becoming increasingly concerned and upset by the whole ordeal. He took a tack I had never anticipated, and he pulled away from the current rather than diving headlong into it, which I expected. This response was alarming and distressing to watch. But after listening to your podcast a while back on international colleges, I prevailed on him to think about that as an option, and thankfully he did. He will now be perhaps the rare Jewish kid who is headed to Trinity College in Dublin, and he is over the moon excited about it. I never thought things could turn around so quickly, but I guess with teenagers, all things are possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving a range of advice to fit different family needs. We are indebted to the Getting In podcast. Wow. Jill, thank you so very much for taking the time to share that beautiful story with us. I heard words like, my son was antagonistic, that the whole ordeal was something he was contending with. And then you use language like, he's over the moon, excited. To have experienced that shift in your family life, in your family dynamic, to see your son move from one end of the spectrum to the other must feel so incredibly heartening and reassuring to you as a mom. Mom to mom, parent to parent, I'm happy for you. And of course, I'm over the moon excited about your kid. I also want to give a special thanks to our expert, Amy Young, who talked about those international options on a podcast some weeks ago. We are honored that the guidance in our podcast was of such great help to your family. Gretchen, thank you so much for your tips today, and good luck to you and Eliza. Well, thank you very much, and thank you very much for your podcast, because uh, it's definitely been something that I have been listening to and taking notes and feeling like it's just exactly what I needed when I needed it. Awesome. Well, I'm taking notes, too. As listeners know, I am in it with my junior, and the expertise that this show has put out there, the experts that we have, and I do not count myself as one of them, as I say that people like you and the other experts that we've got associated with the show are helping me make better choices and be more informed. So I'm thrilled that I also get to be a part of this. Guys, be sure to check out Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before, and check out her podcast, Happier. I think you'll really love it. We want to know what life hacks you've come up with for the college admissions process. Please share them with us on Twitter. Our handle is at gettinginpod. That's all one word, gettinginpod. Or you can send a voice memo or an email. Our email address is slate.com. And there's always our trusty hotline. It seems like no one uses the phone anymore, but you can use it. And you can leave us a voicemail. That number is 929-999-4353. And thank you, thank you, thank you for leaving us those iTunes comments. They are lovely. One recent comment came from S.M. Miller, 1971, who wrote... As an admissions professional for 20 plus years, I listen to this podcast with critical ears. The advice given is right on the money and the issues discussed are relevant and interesting. I highly recommend getting in to all the families in my school. Excellent job. 
Wow, S. Miller, 1971. Thank you for that. We love hearing from folks. We loved hearing that from you. Thank you. Getting In is a production of Slate and Panoply Media. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. And Panoply's chief content officer is Andy Bowers. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Julie Lithcott-Hames. And remember, it's not just about getting in. It's about finding the right fit.